everyone, and welcome to The Bartender's Choice with another episode of Broken English, together with me, <laughs> Jacob Sandin, and my co-host and business partner, Michael Bergstrom. How's it going? <laughs> uh, it's good, it's good. It's, I'm, I'm fine. Or It is what it is. It's uh, weird times, it's tough times, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here in, the, in Sweden uh, at the moment. Yeah. And... Uh, Everything sucks pretty much and everything is shit. I hate the situation, but yeah. let's make the best that we possibly can. But you know what? I'm, I'm 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 super excited about this uh this episode because it's uh, about something that I'm very passionate about uh, apart from the whole industry of course, but uh uh we added this category just a few years ago, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about the uh category for best signature cocktail and uh, before we do that, I would just like to say that today's episode is presented by Campari. So thank you for supporting the Nordic cocktail scene and for making Bartender Choice Awards happen. Thank you very much Campari. So, <laughs> yeah. So today we have uh, a lot to talk about, I guess, and yes, we, uh, we have a, we have a my notes is I know I know you you we have too much notes I we think. have too much notes and you said you have to scale down Michael what is that that's a half a, a, a script for a book but uh, as I said I'm I'm very passionate about this and uh, the way we're gonna do this we're gonna talk about signature cocktails out of a, a classic perspective sort of a classic and also you know modern classic and contemporary classics contemporary and stuff classics like that so and, I've and sort then about bartenders who created drinks etc exactly so I've sort of uh, I've compiled a, a couple of different lists that I've categorized in different uh, sections and I where, know you love your lists uh, and you're gonna talk about them out of different perspectives and out of different dimensions mm, oh, okay <laughs> um okay so before we jump in if you could go to any bar in the world to enjoy a signature cocktail or a, a classic drink anywhere in the world right now where would you where would you go exactly right now right now with how how the, the this is um ooh when you started that sentence, the first thing that popped up in my mind was a Spagliato at Barbasso in Milano. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's very cold right now. I was actually thinking uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cold right now. So I was thinking about San Francisco and the, the coffee drink we had at Rich Table. Oh, they, they made yes. a version of the Irish coffee called Rich Coffee. Yeah, and it's not very often that you get blown away. Like the, Of, of course, you stumble on, on drinks that, you know, and the quality of drinks is so much better, and signature drinks is so much better than they've ever been, I think. But uh, so, but your level of uh, expectation will, will uh, go up with that. Yeah. But uh, this is what seven years ago. Yeah, we went there in the fall of 2013. Yeah, that was it. Blew us off the chair. <laughs> we were sitting at the bar having dinner, and we finished off. We were asked if we wanted to have a dessert, but we we uh, politely said that we were fine we we felt we had a good dinner but we then we saw the drink or i'm not sure do, do you remember if they recommended the drink or if we saw it in the menu i think we saw it in the menu we're like Let, let's, let's have that the, instead of the a dessert, coffee yeah. drink yeah on the menu and it consisted of course like pretty much the same setup as um an irish coffee but instead of irish whiskey in the drink it was a mix of uh fernet and uh, cacao liqueur yeah exactly um with coffee and then on top of the drink they they topped it with a pistachio infused cream and it was just mind blowing that amazing drink. yeah that's what i would like to have right now i'm going to try to make yeah, one after we're, when we're done <laughs> that would be lovely cool okay so uh but speaking of um the Negroni Spagliato at Barbasso in Milano there's there's a few drinks uh which are considered you know classic classics and i would say that the negroni spagliato is one of them for sure we mentioned in the uh, in one of the previous episodes as well that the bellini and, and harris bar in venice and also we touched upon the bloody mary at harris bar in paris as well as the king cold bar in in new york city i think we talked about the sasrek as well right in new orleans yeah i think so and also the daiquiri at 
uh, Floridita in Havana. So we so, sort so of we mentioned done this episode, kind of. <laughs> almost no, but we we've we've been touching upon some of the cl- very classic drinks, which are very tightly connected to a, a specific bar. Yeah, but also the classic drinks is signature drinks, or were or still are. Yeah. I mean, there were specific signature drinks that grew into becoming classic exactly. drinks. But w- what we haven't talked that much about is classic cocktails which are connected to you know something else rather than a specific bar. Let's say the caipirinha, which is very you know connected to Brazil, or the pisco sour to Peru and Chile, or... No, yeah, yeah. It's, there's the different, Mai Tai, different for, aspects for instance, of, uh, which is like, different dimensions and aspects of uh, uh, signature cocktails. It could be a signature cocktail for for a state or for a country or for a region for a, a bar, mm. or uh, the, like the Mai Tai for tiki drinks, yeah, almost yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. the signature of a, a style of drinks. And then we have the the signature cocktail of cocktails. Oh, no, so imagine if you yeah, go, yeah, yeah. if you're at an airport or a train station, yeah. you know the. The the universal sign for for a cocktail bar or a bar yeah. that might have cocktails is a V-shaped a, martini glass yeah, with exactly. a small little so, dot. And in what the drink bottom. is that? That would be the uh, dry martini. Yeah, exactly. The the, the signature yeah. cocktail. Good of good cocktails. point. <laughs> okay, and then we have uh, m- like the Hall of Fame when it comes to modern classics, according to me, as uh, at least that would be the Cosmopolitan by Toby Cecchini. Mm-hmm. Uh, which he uh, created at Odeon in New York City. Yeah, in I, I, just, I, I just bought a. Uh, it's actually a Swedish magazine, kind of a lifestyle magazine called Icon or Icon. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a big article uh, about uh, Keith McNally. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, about the history of of his career in the restaurant industry. Uh, of course, they mentioned the Cosmopolitan from the Odeon. Oh, cool! Yeah, and that drink was also, I guess, popularized uh, by Dale DeGroff as well. Um, but I'm also thinking about the espresso martini, Dick Bradsell, yeah. London, 1980s, um, which was actually uh, I did a little, little research, and it was uh, number three last year on most viewed uh, cocktails on Differts Guide. Uh, on their website, which is pretty uh, pretty cool. So that's yeah, it's for had sure a, a massive revival. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the past few years, um, and then just below the the Hall of Famers, I would say uh, we find the contemporary classics, which I've decided to call the A list, aka Grand National, Ultimate, Grand Supreme, International, which are oh lord, internationally known. By bartenders. So perhaps if you walk down the street and you ask someone, do you know about the drink uh, Bramble? Perhaps, you know, your average Joe won't know what it is. Or a Thomas Margarita, for instance. But pretty much all bartenders uh, with somewhat of an ambition globally have heard about these drinks. I can see you have Aperol Spritz on that list. But I would argue that might be on Hall of Fame together with Cosmopolitan Espresso Martini. But we, we can discuss that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mentioned Bramble, Thomas Margarita. I have Penicillin, uh, Sam Ross, Milk and Honey. Uh, the Porn Star Martini by Douglas Ancra. Um, mm-hmm. And also Aperol Spritz. I mean, the difference, I guess, with Aperol Spritz is that that would be... it's It is for sure a signature... Uh, Drink signature cocktail, a, signature, a classic today. Signature, signature drink by a brand. By a brand, but also it's. I would say that the style uh, the Aperol Spritz is made in it's it's sort of a Venetian spritz, so it builds on on the aperitivo culture from from Veneto and Venice, from that region. So it it pretty much. It's, uh, you know, when the Campari group decided to start pushing for Aperol, I guess they just decided to incorporate Aperol, that product, into an already existing uh, style of drinks, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then if we start with, the cl- or start with, we, uh, just go back to the classic classics, uh, would, would you uh, consider the Niglo, uh, Negroni Sbagliato a, a kind of a spritz as well? Well, uh, it's funny that you ask, because... Actually, if you remember when we we went there a couple of years ago and we had the pleasure of meeting uh, the founder of the Negroni Spagliato's son, 
Yes. I so do very much remember that. It was yeah. A, it was a great moment. Yeah. So his, uh, the founder of the Spagliato, his name was uh, Mirko Stocchetto and his son, uh, Maurizio, he was uh, kind enough to... Uh, to talk a little bit about the drink with us, and he and, gave and us tell, a tour. Tell, tell us this, maybe, maybe the true story about the mis- the great mistake. The great mistake. A yeah. very calculated. What, great yeah, mistake. was it really a mistake? <laughs> and we had a great time. And and what he told us was that uh, his father actually he used to work in Venice, and uh, where those spritz style of drinks were massively popular, uh, even back in the days, you know, and. He realized that he he wanted to uh, sort of make a riff, I guess, on the Milano Torino or the Americano. Yep. Uh, I mean, the legend says that a bartender by mistake took a bottle of Prosecco instead of gin, which I mean, if you think about it, if if you if you had a couple of drinks, maybe you can make that mistake. But it's it would be more likely to to pick a bottle of vodka instead of gin, I guess. Rather than uh, than a bottle of prosecco, it depends on how blindly you work, kind of like you, but yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, apparently, he said that he he just loved that style uh, of drinks and uh, that he created it because of its popularity of spritz drinks, etc. Especially with with uh, you know people coming up to the bar, uh, so. Uh, Served a massive flute as well. Oh yeah, that Which probably helps to iconify the drink and be- yeah, making it their uh, signature. Yeah, yeah exactly, with a big exactly. ice block. They were so early with the big ice blocks, uh, big rocks uh, at Barbasso, and they've been doing that for seventy years, I guess. So ahead of their time. True, and let's continue with the Bellini. A Cipriani kind of signature drink. Um, yeah. What what, um, what 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 bar? What bar does it come from? Or what? Where was it created? So it was actually created as we, uh, as I said, we touched upon this in the previous episode. But it was created at Harris Bar in Venice, where they also created the uh, Carpaccio. So fantastic combo, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> few Bellinis first, then a Carpaccio, and then the main course. Yeah, why not? That sounds great. And that's probably the one of the most famous champagne or, or sparkling wine cocktails, right? Together with the Mimosa, I guess so. But I think the Bellini is the number one champagne yeah. signature cocktails, I guess. Yeah. And was that a good one when we were there last time? It was really? It was not only good, it was great. It was amazing. It was fabulous. <laughs> yeah, and it just made a drinking a, a signature drink at the the actual bar where it was created kind of enhances the, the experience as well, of course, makes it very special. But uh but it was really good. It was actually one of the best Bellinis I ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 w- well. I would say it, it was the best uh, so far. And that goes with his Bagliato as well. You know, when we had it at Barbasso, that was like that experience served. And, and with the story of uh, uh, his son as well, just made it uh, even better. Even better, exactly. Yeah. And uh, further on with the classic classic, we have the Bloody Mary. That can, uh, the Bloody Mary had a, a fun kind of a journey. Uh, making its way from from Harris Bar, also another Harris Bar, but in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, where it was created uh, by a Barton called Fernand Petio. Yep, that was uh, like then it was he was drafted uh, by the Saint Regis Hotel in New York. I can't remember exactly when, but we're talking probably the 30s or 40s, right? I think so, something yes, like that. Somewhere around there. That was a long time ago. Anyway, uh, where he, he put up the drink on the menu, but it was taken down. Or it wasn't taken down. It was, it was renamed to the Red Snapper because the hotel manager at the time thought it was too harsh for their clientele. Mm-hmm. But it spread uh, by word of mouth as the Bloody Mary. And became, or still is, one of the biggest brunch drinks in in the U.S. or at least in the East Coast. Oh yeah, so that would be the together with the mimosa, perhaps, but that's the signature drink for brunch. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. That, yeah, that's another aspect of looking at it, but it's a fun aspect. Yeah, exactly. It's the different dimensions. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you think of brunch cocktails, that's uh, yeah, mimosa and, and uh, the Bloody Mary comes up for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess maybe one of those drinks that really divides people. You know, either you love it or you hate it, yeah. but everybody knows it. And one of those signature drinks or signature, yeah, classic signature drinks that. Uh, bartenders love to personify you know make their twist or variation on to like express themselves or their creativity i remember when i worked at brasserie godot uh 20 years ago here in stockholm we had a bloody mary menu within our our regular menu mm. uh, and i think we had five five or six variations okay yeah that's that's cool with horseradish and Dijon, etc. Oh, yeah, red exactly. wine and oh, mm, whatever. Mm, mm, mm. Nice, tasty, yummy. Uh, but I guess two two of the modern uh, drinks that's also sort of making their way into to becoming brunch classics perhaps could be the Aperol Spritz because that's sort of a yep. you know an afternoon aperitivo, but it could sneak into brunch menus as well. But also the uh, the espresso martini, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To finish a yeah. brunch with a, to, to lift you up course, and energize you. With oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on how, how rough your night was uh, the night before. All right, let's uh, continue. Uh, we have the daiquiri. Mm-hmm. And what is that a signature of? Uh, that would be the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, exactly. It's almost like, like a signature for, uh, for Cuba. Yeah. Singer, oh, Cuba, yeah. Together with the mojito, of course, and 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 the uh, Cuba Libre, and the uh, it's funny how how Cuban a country, cigars, like, like a small country like Cuba, has three cocktails, or th- that were created on the island that everybody knows. Oh yeah, and you can get them at you know cocktail bars, nightclubs, pubs, yeah, hotel bars, everywhere. anywhere at your local pizzeria, even. And any bartender would know them, right? Exactly. Uh, what, what, what was the reason? Why, why do you think daiquiri became such a big or a huge uh, drink, and still is? It's a, it's a definitely a bartender favorite. I mean, yeah, nowadays it's a, as you say, it's a bartender's fa- favorite. And I remember when uh, Joaquin Simo of uh, Pouring Ribbons he told me that I think we brought him over to Stockholm to do a, a pop up bar and a guest shift uh, a couple of years back. And I asked him about his preference, etc. And he was like, "Whenever I go to a new bar, I like to sit down by the uh, uh, by the bar, and before I sort of make up my mind, I usually uh, uh, ask the bartender for a daiquiri while I'm deciding, and that's <laughs> okay. his like benchmark. If if the bartender nails the uh, the daiquiri, he will go uh, pick something from the menu. If the daiquiri isn't you know uh, that well balanced, etc., he said he could go for a beer etc instead so that's yeah, his that's like go to drink uh to tr- to try a new bar okay. which is wow. pretty cool and i guess i don't know it it is uh it has become almost like a bartender's you know handshake the daiquiri yeah, since almost. there's you know nothing to to hide uh behind in terms of ingredients and also you can play around quite a lot with the uh different rums and express yourself through that but there's so not that maybe well, last time was a, uh, I was at pouring ribbons is that why maybe that's why we had while we were looking at the menu we were sitting at the bar we had somebody pours like the bartender pours a uh, tiny uh, martini glasses with uh, a sour and I said, oh, and he goes like yeah here's a small snackery mm-hmm. while you decide mm-hmm. upon your drink I said oh that's a nice one <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah perfect um and the next drink is a drink that not too long ago became the the national or not national the the what do you call that the the state signature drink for Louisiana. Oh yeah, the Sazerac, the Sazerac from New Orleans. Uh, what, what is it said? <laughs> I mean, the Sazerac is that, that's also like one of those. Uh, I I believe it's kind of a bartender's drink as well. I mean, now it's I mean it's, it's in the old-fashioned kind of s- school of drinks. But uh, for many years, that was the Sazerac was something that bartenders drank, and old-fashioned was for consumers. Uh, I know mm. that's just <laughs> oh yeah, maybe <laughs> my way of viewing it. But well, uh, 
when I when I started working in bars, I think the, the old fashioned was actually the bartender's handshake of that day. Uh, but because of series like Mad Men, that changed uh, the old fashioned into uh, moving it, you know, more into like the uh, a drink such as uh, I don't know whiskey sour or mojito uh, for for consumers to to start ordering as well. But maybe uh, maybe that was a turning point when when bartenders started to you know hold hold on to the sassafras. I don't know. And also the the legend of like you know the the technique on how to make it and you know uh, of course New Orleans as a city uh, is a very strong cocktail. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of signature drinks that comes from from that city, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. But also, I, I I remember this is many years back, but uh, I went to a seminar with. Uh, uh, Phil Green, I think it was. All right, the author. Yeah, uh, of, of the uh, the the to have and books. have another. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the Hemingway inspired uh, way gra- of drinking. <laughs> yeah, a great book. Yeah, it's an awesome book. But uh, I remember. Uh, so he talked about the the seminar was about Sasserac, and he uh, he demonstrated a uh, a technique that I've never seen before. But it was uh, I, I mean, this is what I mean, like the legend around the drink and the mysticism around the drink it just makes it. Uh, Special and uh, and uh, potentially uh, why it became so big within the bartender community. But what he did, he took the absinthe, uh, poured a uh, half a shot of absinthe in, into a Lobo glass, and then he kind of swirled it around a little bit. But then he tossed it up in the air while he was uh, twi- or, uh, spinning it. Okay. So it created kind of a rain of <laughs> of, uh, of absinthe. And then he, he caught the glass. He catched glass and uh, and uh, put it down and then he finished drink. So that he was he was coating the inside of of the glass by throwing it up in the air while he was spinning the glass. So it was a perfect coat, you know. All right. Uh, a bit of absent everywhere, but you know we're Barton, so we were fine with that in the in the conference room at Monteleone Hotel. But uh, and then he kind of finalized the drink and uh, it, it's a it, it's a drink that does that traditionally doesn't contain ice. I mean, you stir you in the actual glass. It's served glass, exactly. then. It's served, such as a dry martini, etc. Yeah. But in a yeah, a different glass, of course. Yeah, it's one of the only drinks that mixed cocktails mm. in its like like that that is served in a rocks glass without ice. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe that has something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, well, c- could be. Yeah, that's right. Strong name. Do you know why it's served city? like that? Oh no, no, really, me neither. Actually. I've and I mean, I, I know, I've I read about re- the, the, egg, uh, the egg cup thing and all that, you know, back then. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I guess. But it's how it a transformed into? I mean, usually the Sazerac glasses are are somewhat smaller than a, you know, a, it's not a double double rocks glass, somewhat smaller. But um, yeah, we need to uh, can do some research afterwards. Exactly. Anyways, uh, or if. The listeners know, shoot us an email, podcast yeah, yeah, exactly. at bartender yeah. and uh, let us know. Teach us. Uh, the Mai Tai. We, we talked about that before as well, but uh, kind of a, a signature drink of Trader Vic. And, but then later it almost became, like a, as you said, a signature drink of a whole category of drinks, tiki drinks. Would you agree? I do. And why do you think that became a, such a big, or still is? I mean, there's no tiki bar in the world that doesn't have it on the list. No, that's I, true. I, I, Perhaps I think. Um, due to the fact that there's uh, different types of rum in it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And then the story. Tell me the story. <laughs> I don't remember exactly the story, but there, there was a regular that had the drink in Trader Vicks, and he... he, he he, he, after the first sip, he he just said he said, uh, "Ro Ray, my tie or something like that." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of out of this world. Exactly. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. He was blown away by the drink, and then became a a, a, a tiki classic. Mm-hmm. And so a, a lot of uh, tiki drinks uh, later on has been uh, built on this type of. Oh yeah, know, yeah, that's true. Just a rum sour with a or jet kind of. Mm-hmm. Served in a rock class, classically. Yep. I remember the first time I uh, experienced my ties was at, uh, really enough, uh, in a small town called Umia, where, where you and me uh, are com- coming from. 
uh, at a Thai restaurant. Uh, as a pre-cocktail, they were serving green or red Mai Tais. Ooh. That was the first time. I thought, okay. That's, that's a warning weird. flag. Uh, yeah, it kind of <laughs> was. But <laughs> that, that was the first time I experienced Mai Tai, weirdly enough. But yeah, side story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irish coffee. Take it away, Jacob. Um, I mean... I guess popularized by Buena Vista in, in uh, San Francisco, but nowadays, I guess the uh, a bar that holds the flag very high for for the Irish coffee would be uh, the Dead Rabbit in New York City. Yes. Um, um, what's their? I really liked when they grated a little bit of nutmeg on top, but then they stopped doing that because they said that they de Groff perfected their recipe. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I like my nutmeg on top. I, I really like the nutmeg as well. But uh, So they sous vide their whiskey with uh, sugar and coffee. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but I, I remember they had a specially imported French thick, rich cream. Yeah, exactly. That was like $10 for half a liter or, or something. It was super, super expensive and delicious. A beautiful variation. They they really took it to another level there. Oh, for sure. Oh, that that's also a bar I could go to now. A ra- rainy November day in New York and enjoy an Irish coffee at Dead Rabbit. That would be nice. Uh, yes, I agree. Or I actually haven't been there Fort since. Defiance in in Brooklyn. That could be oh, cool yeah, as well. Right. Actually, I haven't been to Dead Rabbit since they knocked down the wall and made the tap room bigger. No, so me neither. I can't wait to go. Exactly. Uh, the Pisco Sour. Uh, that's kind of a signature drink of, of two countries, or so predominantly maybe a little bit more Peru, but uh, definitely for Chile as well. Uh, just a yeah, a sour made with pisco, uh, with a very specific bitterness on top. Traditionally, with a bit of a cinnamon touch to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a drink that became really popular in the in, in California and in uh, in Florida as well, I think. All right, or maybe the 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 the, uh, the Caribbean impact was bigger in Florida, of course. But uh, I remember first time went to San Francisco in two thousand ten. Uh, most of the bars had pisco sours on the menu, and I think there was even a brand. Uh, I think I bought a bottle from from uh, from San Francisco. That was a San Francisco brand, San Francisco brand that did a, a pisco called Encanto, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Uh, it's made a beautiful pisco sour. Uh, still around today, uh, kind of an exotic, also not not a tiki style drink, but a, uh, a tropical South American drink. And mm. while we're down there, uh, shortly about Caprina, a very old drink, and probably one one of the the most consumed drinks, signature, oh, classic signature drinks in the world. I would say. Yeah, most likely. Um, it, I mean, I guess the, the, the foundation of the caipirinha would be uh, quite similar to the daiquiri, but uh, less refined, I guess. They do it in whatever you know glass they have ready at hand, yeah. uh, sometimes shaken, sometimes muddled, sometimes just squeezed with your fingers, the limes, and uh, sometimes with simple syrup, sometimes with granulated sugars. And like, it's just yeah, yeah. whatever you have handy, that's how you serve it. I uh, lo- love that the the fresh limey acidity with that funky spirit and uh, mm. slightly sweetened and crushed ice is beautiful. Yeah. Today's episode is made in collaboration with Campari. Campari was created over 150 years ago by Gaspare Campari in Novara back in 1860. Gaspare later moved to Milan to continue producing the product. In 1915, his son Davide opened up a cafe called Il Camparino next to the Duomo in the Vittorio Emanuele Galleria, where people can still to this day enjoy a Negroni where Campari features as an important original ingredient. If you're interested in art, there's plenty to explore since many prominent artists have portrayed the brand in various ways over the last 100 years. This, for example, can be found in the permanent exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. Please remember to enjoy Campari responsibly, and why not try it with the addition of a high-quality tonic water? Thanks, Campari, for making Bartender Choice Awards happen. 
All right. Uh, oh, we talked about the Hall of Fame already. We briefly mentioned, yeah. And also, the I mean, for the contemporary classics, um, I, it's just amazing to see uh, how... Uh, how they've just spread across the globe. Bramble, the Thomas Margarita, the Penicillin, the Porn Star Martini. Um, yeah. I mean, the the Bramble was one of those London drinks that, uh, I mean, Dick Bradsell, who who was the creator of it, uh, I mean, everybody knows that he created uh, a lot of legendary contemporary drinks, uh, Espresso Martini being one of them. But the Bramble was very special because uh, I remember I, I had it once, the only time I went to Dick's Bar at the Atlantic in London, mm-hmm. uh, I had it. Of course, I ordered that drink then, uh, or, or the Bramble. And it was beautifully served and in a, in a, not a flute, but very like a high, thin, very delicate uh, kind of a sling glass okay. on foot. Yeah. And it was just beautiful. They built a drink and crushed ice, and then they just uh, rizzled the, the creme de mur on top. Uh, that slowly, slowly made it way made its way down and drink, and it was a very special moment. But that that's one of those drinks that I've seen on so many drink lists, at least here in Scandinavia, and slight different variations as well. But you know, at the as the ori- original was served, yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that I've also seen quite a lot of variations on that. But that proves what a brilliant uh, platform the drink itself actually is it's like yeah and one of those drinks you know you make the drinks you have crushed ice and then you kind of uh, lace the the top or or with the the liqueur mm-hmm. and when a, uh, our customer sees that or our guest at the bar that just create a wildfire it's like the, everybody wanted yeah, to yeah, order. Yeah. it was a, such a uh, great uh, way of selling drinks you know the drink sells itself yeah, it's yeah, almost exactly, like exactly. the the, uh, the flamed orange zest like yeah. anyone sitting next to you and they see the bartender like ooh what was that I'm gonna have one no exactly exactly mm. definitely that's definitely one of the reasons why it became such a big drink uh, we have the Thomas Margarita uh, the reason why that became big I think was because at the time Tommy and his son the Julio they, they brought something new to the market, which was agave syrup. Mm. That was a very, I mean, it took years and years and years until it came to Sweden. Uh, And that wasn't too long ago. Uh, So it became like, uh, for us here in Sweden at least, I think that drink became very special and and, uh, exotic and uh, uh, something that we really wanted to get our hands on because we couldn't get a hold of agave syrup. Yeah. And nowadays, so that was a big attraction. You I, know, kind of like. I guess it could have a little bit of a you know revival now with the uh, health trend and and people raving about agave syrup and uh, and the benefits from that instead of using sugar, for instance. But uh, I guess also it <clears throat> isn't it Jimmy Han who sometimes refers to his method of making drinks as the uh, Mister Potato Head. Potato, yeah. So just. You can switch one ingredient to another, like you know, you switch the uh, I don't know the left arm, <laughs> change the left arm to to something else, and I guess the Thomas Margarita is an excellent uh, example of that. Just you know, switching the uh, the uh, the triple sec to uh, agave syrup, and there you have it. Uh, I guess it's also supposed to be made with uh, reposado tequila, right? If I'm not yeah, mistaken, maybe, maybe. Um, and then yeah, on the rocks, beautiful drink. Okay, um, so that would be my uh, uh, the Bramble, Thomas Margarita, Penicillin, Pornstar Martini, and Aperol Spritz. That's the A-list, a.k.a. Grand National, Ultimate Grand Supreme International. And below that, we have a list of some other amazing drinks, which I would say would be contemporary cocktails. National Grand Supreme. starting with the ginger mule by Audrey Saunders yep Um, beautiful uh, you know gin spiked extra ginger mule variation with mint right yeah I think she created that at the Benemans Hotel bar bar at Carlisle Hotel when she was there before she opened Pigou Club if I'm not uh, mistaken okay uh, yeah that's a 
that became her signature mm. drink. And I think, later on, can't yeah. get the signature drink for you a meant, pig You mentioned well, it to apart from uh, the pego cocktail. Yeah, <laughs> you, you mentioned it to me the uh, in the other episode, and I uh, I'm gonna double check that, but it's it sounds like it makes a lot of sense. Then we have another uh, gin drink, the the gin basil smash uh, from uh, Jörg Meyer Le Lyon Hamburg, uh, which I guess is a uh, an homage to another Dale de Groff drink, the the whiskey smash. It's a signature cocktail based on a signature cocktail that was based on a signature cocktail. <laughs> Dimensions. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely became the signature drink of uh, Lillian. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they actually have outside, like like uh, La Floridita in in uh, Havana has the cradle of the daiquiri. They have the cradle of the gin basil smash. You're absolutely right. And then in Smart move. when was that? Twenty ten, when Nobis Hotel opened up in Stockholm. Yep, they created the strawberry basil smash, yeah. which is sort of an homage to the gin basil smash. Exactly, and that pretty much paid at least two bartenders' salary per month. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much they sold of it. Oh yeah, um, a few other drinks: the French Martini, the Gold Rush, the Old Cuban, another Audrey Saunders drink, uh, the White Negroni. And that's that's an interesting one. I mean, we're talking about the Negroni before and uh, uh, Negroni Spagliato, but White Negroni mm. by uh, Wayne Collins, right? Oh yeah. Uh, but now these days, so White Negroni is a thing, and and it's almost like uh, Negronis has like be- become a, a, its own family of cocktails. Oh, very much so. Uh, totally. That I think also Joaquin Simo. Uh, I think he created a Kingston Negroni with uh, could have been Smith and Cross rum in that one instead yeah, of right. gin. Yep. Yep. Um, oh no, Aarhus Aquavit has a Swedish Negroni. Oh, you see, Aarhus Aquavit mm-hmm. instead of gin. Yeah. Um, another drink, uh, which is the idea of the drink is built in such a smart way, and that would be the uh, the paper plane. Uh, which Sam Ross created when he was consulting for the Violet Hour in Chicago, um, <clears throat> which is, I think he took his inspiration from uh, the last word. He wanted to to make a, a similar drink, equal parts, uh, and he made it with uh, bourbon, Amaro Nonino, Aperol, and lemon juice. Yeah, Shaken, beautiful drink. no garnish, just because he wants bartender to easily replicate the bar in any bar pretty much uh, globally. And that's, that became his signature, or one of his signature drinks, that later on Joaquin Zimó did a riff on that one. Yeah. created another signature drink, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Joaquin's kind of riff on the paper plane that was already a riff on something else, right? Exactly. The Naked and Famous with uh, Mescal and Yellow Chartreuse, yeah, I think. That, that's the evolution of cocktails. That's how this works, you know? That's exactly. And, and Sam Ross also did, as you mentioned, the penicillin, which is a, uh, one of those drinks that just... And they have a beautiful frozen penicillin as well at the Diamond Reef uh, that I tried. And uh, actually, yesterday, I went to brunch. The pe- penicillin. Pen- penicillin, yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. I, I had brunch with a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Max Warner, who, who actually relocated from London and he now lives in Stockholm. And he... Uh, apart from the the beautiful pancakes and the, the omelets and all of that brunchy uh, goodies, he uh, we finished off with a, a penicillin, but it was a clarified penicillin. Ooh la la! It was beautiful. So one of those drinks, signature drinks that really made uh, a, a massive impact. Uh, oh, absolutely. Around the world, yeah, within the bartender community, but with the, with con- uh, guests as well. Mm-hmm. And a very smart way of making a. Or taking a uh, uh, category of spirits, uh, in this case, uh, blended whiskey, and enhancing the character of of the whiskey with just boosting all, all, all oh yeah, all yeah the characters yeah. with the spiciness, the smokiness, and, and the uh, fruitiness, the fruitiness, yeah. etc. It's mm-hmm. like a very smart way of making a signature drink. For sure, very clever. Um, okay, and then I would say that we have uh, contemporary local cocktails. That would go into the uh, supreme list, <laughs> and uh, I uh, I noticed that there's uh, four drinks which have a, quite a lot of uh, resemblance to to each other: the mm-hmm. Chartreuse Whistle, 
um, from San Francisco with green chartreuse, pineapple, lime, and velvet falernum. Then we have the uh, Pina Verde uh, by Eric Castro. Castro? Eric Castro, sorry. <laughs> What's up, a dude? <laughs> What's up, my dude? Uh, from Polite Provision, San Diego. Also, that was like 10 years later than the chartreuse whistle down, so 2012. Green chartreuse, lime, pineapple, and coconut cream. And building on that, the Brancolada uh, from uh, Donna, Brooklyn, which Rest sadly yeah, closed it. I think they're doing their last service now in just a few days. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Jeremy Ortel. Um, with dark rum, uh, brancamenta, pineapple, orange, and coconut cream. And then another chartreuse swizzle, but from Tata in Copenhagen, with green chartreuse, apple, lime, pistachio, and sesame syrup. Such a beautiful drink. Oh, yeah. All, I mean, and all of them, it's like, um, I, I, uh, I really like the, uh, the, the, the tropical uh, vibes meets the the very herbal notes, and it it's such a cool mix. And all all of these drinks, um, I guess, none of them have have reached an international level, such as you know some of the previous drinks we've mentioned. But they've got a. When I've been reading about them, it seems like they had quite a big local following. Yeah, yeah, for absolutely. I know what you mean. And, and it seems like they're pretty bartender friendly as well. You know, with the the herbal. And, and an interesting thing here, you know, with the, I mean, there's a coconut cream and there's a herbal liqueurs and amaros, etc. And and Jeremy's drink is actually called Brancolada as well. And uh, if we go back to our our own. Uh, award here in Sweden, the Bartender Choice Awards that we will uh, execute in a few weeks. Yep. Uh, all the nominations and uh, votings are done and uh, we've been counting everything and the interesting thing with the nominations is in, in four out of five countries uh, there's five drinks nominated for best signature cocktail in each country and four out of those five countries has a uh, pina colada variation exactly nominated yeah which is super interesting so it seems like the pina colada lays close at heart for for bartenders and to to uh to create you know interesting cool riffs and twists on that Maybe. who doesn't love coconut mm -hmm. uh and then we i guess we could also mention you know the contemporary local cocktails would be the uh riffs on the very classic manhattan so the Green Point, the Little Italy, Red Hook, and the Brooklyn Cocktail, uh, which, you know, I guess all of them are pretty much the Mr. Potato Head uh, concept yeah, of, yeah, but of that's swapping another, ingredients. Like, yeah, as uh, one drink that branches out in different variations, uh, which I think is, yeah, that, that's the evolution of, of cocktail culture. Oh, yeah, very much so. And then we have some, some personal favorite signature drinks that, uh, or sometimes they're really broad and big and classic and uh, locally famous or famous within the community, and sometimes they're uh, just very famous to ourselves. <laughs> but uh, just a few, a few uh, occasions uh, when I've had signature drinks uh, that made a big impact on me. Uh, you... I will let you choose three. Three. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, the bamboo. And not the bamboo sherry uh, vermouth drink, but the bamboo with B-O-O from the Death & Co. I think it was Brian Miller actually who made this drink. Uh, I was there by myself. I wasn't there by myself. I actually came there a little bit earlier and waited for my company to come there. Uh, so I started off with a drink, and I started off with the bamboo. It's kind of an old-fashioned, a rum old-fashioned uh, drink, but it was absolutely beautiful. It was a Venezuelan rum. It was Demerara syrup. It was Peixos, Abbott's, and Jerry Thomas on decanter bitters. It was three bitters, and then nutmeg on top. It's like that. An amazing drink. Uh, it sounds like a beautiful, yeah, rum, old fashioned for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love those flavors with the the, the sweetness of the rum, and then the fact that they used three types of bitters. Okay. Uh, mm. and, and of course, the nutmeg on top. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Love that. Um, I already mentioned one of them, so I, I don't have to mention the bramble. But at Dick's, Dick's Bar at the Atlantic was amazing. 
uh, the Bloody Mary at the Connaught. I know you and me talked about this before, but uh, that was mm, spectacular mm, mm. the with first the, time. Yeah, with the celery foam on top. Yeah, that was jaw-dropping, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, La Patanga at La Capilla. We talked about La Capilla before, but in Tequila City, uh, made by Don Javier, sitting on his bar stool, stirring it up with uh, his bar knife. Uh it was a special moment. It was, mm, yeah, yeah. It, it was a special moment. I'm not sure how to explain that. It was a uh, uh, felt very special and unique, and uh, and uh, had such respect for 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 that bar and for that man. I'm not sure, you know, <laughs> exactly why. But it was a uh, d- during a beautiful trip down to Mexico. Of course, uh, we we're visiting a bunch of distilleries and uh, and uh, and uh, just had a great time there for two weeks and. And in Tequila City, we went to that bar. And yeah, it's a very special moment for a signature cocktail. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. But that's that's the beauty of, of signature uh, cocktails when you have them and that you uh, remember them, hopefully for, for the rest of your life. The Jameson and Fresh Apple at the Shady Pines Saloon in uh, Sydney. Very simple drink, but, you know, f- freshly uh, pressed or centrifuged uh, apples mm-hmm. uh, on up in order with... Uh, with Jameson, simple as that, but it All was right. a beautiful, yeah. beautiful drink. Mm-mm-mm. And th- the first time I had the count, okay, th- I know this is the last one, but the <laughs> counter punch at Dead Rabbit, <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a, a, a potent, strong flavored uh, punch. The counter, the counter punch. punch, can you remind me what was in that? Yeah, it was a, a Jamaican rum, of course, it was Irish whiskey, it was a splash of Guinness, okay. Uh, with lemon juice, uh, a bit of a spice liqueur, old spice liqueur, I think. Okay. Uh, house bitters and again, grated nutmeg on top. But it was a uh, yeah, or it is. I'm not sure if they're still keeping it on the list or if you can order it still. But it was a, an amazing drink. Well, I guess we need to go there and find out. Yes, and actually, it was uh, infused with uh, one of the spirits was infused with black tea as well. If I okay. Hmm remember right nice should yeah. we should we give a few just quick shout outs to some of the the uh nordic classics which have been getting some attention in the previous years of of bca perhaps absolutely uh, uh is there a drink that you strongly remember i mean uh i really like the uh can't remember if maybe we talked about this. Uh, I'm getting a little bit confused if we spoke about this uh, previously. But at Gensin in, in Copenhagen, the Walnut Brown, uh, their like Danish uh, nod to the old fashioned with uh, roasted rye bread infused in bourbon and uh, with some coffee liqueur, etc. So it's. It's like a. I still dream about that drink. It's 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 uh, it's beautiful. It's very good. Yeah, it's it was great, and as you said, a, a great nod to the Danish culture with the rye bread. It was uh, it's it's uh, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amar Am, Amar Amar Colada, another Colada style that that uh, made me sit quietly for a good fifteen minutes uh, from Duck and Cover. Uh, I think it was made by Tina Ruvogera. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, some aquavit and and uh, yeah, as the name says, a version of a of a pina colada, of course, but yeah. with some some uh, Danish aquavit. Two, right? two different types of aquavit. It was Coca Lopez uh, gooseberry juice for the acidity, I guess, mm-hmm. and dill whey. Oh, okay. Be- beautiful. Wow, drink. yeah, just amazing. My type of flavors: coconut and, and spicy booze. Amazing. And I, I can't do this without uh, mentioning the Noche de Rabanos. Oh, yeah, in um, from Chihuahua Julep in Helsinki. Helsinki. Yeah, such a fun bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, wow. If, if you love bourbon, uh, American bourbon saloons and uh, and uh, agave spirit, you know, uh, what do you call that? Uh, haciendas in Mexico, uh, and you can't decide. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> what you love the most, and then go to Chihuahua Julep because he, he has bo- both settings. Interior-wise, uh, and uh, uh, the drink itself, uh, you had it there as well, right? Yeah. So, if I remember correctly, it's uh, it's like a, a pretty, uh, a, like a, a sour style shaken drink, which you know 
caters to a lot of people, I guess. It's like to the public. It seems like a drink that everyone loves, even though it has mezcal, which I guess a few people could uh, think is a bit, bit too funky, smoky, etc. Mm-hmm. But he created the drink. It, it's like a, a good uh, gateway into mezcal, I guess. Yeah, I remember he said that you know nobody would drink mezcal by its own or know exactly what a mezcal is in, 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 in Finland. In Finland or Helsinki, uh, it wasn't. It, it's not a big thing. But when he put the homemade cranberry cordial in, and cranberry is a big thing in in in, the, in Finland, uh, it just made itself. Uh, what do you call it? Incredible for for the guests, mm-hmm. and uh, just became a, a, a huge signature drink. And he sells liters of it, gallons of it, <laughs> tons of it, tons of it, <laughs> and it's a beautiful drink. Uh, what else? You know what? I I don't like mushroom cocktails. I've never done. I've, I've had a bunch of them. I never thought they worked. I I always thought the the mushroom kind of ended up weird like on the side on my tongue or my palate or you know like it, it never worked for me but then i went to Himcock. okay in oslo yeah and i had their chanterelle oh, okay yeah 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 i remember that drink. i absolutely loved that drink uh it's a it's a beautiful creation with they actually butter fried the chanterelles and then they take the fat from that and fat wash it with rye whiskey and house aquavits Okay, yeah, so that's also a way of incorporating the flavor, of yeah, course. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then they add a, a cordial of white wine and uh, some burnt walnut bitters. And all served like an old-fashioned, like on a big rock in a very thin, beautiful glass. And then on top there's a pickled chanterelle. Mm. And it's just, a, uh, yeah, such a beautiful, kind of a light, refreshing drink, even though it's uh, chanterelles and, and, and it's butter-fried. But it was, I mean, you wash that and then you kind of, Keep the 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 spirits uh, uh, that has the flavor of the chanterelle now and uh, a beautiful drink. Cool, that's lovely. Um, we're we're closing in on the one hour mark, so I guess we should try and uh, wrap this up. Should we just give a quick nod to um, a Stockholm, yeah. a local Stockholm contemporary classic, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. Which one would you uh, go for? There's, uh, there's a few. Sh- should I start with the old ones? <laughs> that that kind of locally became a, a big drinks, but uh, uh, or just let's do it from the top. Uh, the Thai ba- basil. Mm-hmm. Lately, the, I mean, that's if you go into Asian post office, the geo geo location on Instagram, it seems like every third picture on Instagram is a picture of that drink. All right, why? I mean, it's just, it, it looks beautiful with the, it's very, like, bright and green um, and the beautiful white foam on top. It's quite appealing to the eye, I yeah. guess. So what it is, actually, it's kind of a gin sour, gin smash with basil, right? Yeah, with Thai basil. Thai basil, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, of course, hence Asian post office. And then... The concept of the, the restaurant, but then on top... Coconut cream. Coconut cream. Coconut foam. Cream. Yeah, foam, foam, I guess cream. is the more correct. Secret recipe. A creamy right. foam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's... And they sell thousands of it, right? Yeah, yeah, hundreds per day. An- another drink that you probably made uh, a thousand times or more <laughs> yeah. is the, the gin and jang from uh, from Grill yeah. here in Stockholm. Yeah, well. exactly. With uh, So a bit of an Asian uh, riff on the white lady so it's it's gin lemon elderflower ginger and lychee liqueur shaken served up with a grapefruit uh, twist and everybody just love that oh yeah it's like the beauty of it i guess is that even you know anyone from like first time drinkers to gin connoisseurs everyone loved it so Pretty, pretty, uh, so gin, brill- brilliant gin, drink. Gin, uh, it's a refreshing, fruity, spicy at the same time. Mm. Sounds like a winner. Uh, a couple of old ones, or older ones, old now, so they're old now, uh, probably like 20, uh, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, the raspberry fudge and the juicy fruits, both created by Jimmy DeMott. 
uh, 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 somewhat of a bartender legend here in Stockholm. Yeah, but it's not the. I guess if you if you talk about uh, Jimmy and his legacy that he did on the Stockholm bar scene, it's not those type of drinks that he is going to be remembered for. It's most likely more the you know American whiskey, old fashioned, old fashioned style drinks. The rock candy, old fashioned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That exactly. people re- will remember, but it's it's True, good to yeah. I mean, raspberry fudge, remember those uh, as well. I can't remember the base pair. It was a, it's a raspberry, fresh raspberry martini with uh, uh, butterscotch liqueur. Yep. That was a, the fudge part of the mm-hmm. raspberry fudge. Mm-hmm. But it just became a massive drink when he was working. I think it was working at, uh, uh, was that Bauer here in Stockholm? It's no longer around, but uh, one of the bars here in, uh, in the south part of the city. Yeah. Uh, the juicy fruit. He created for uh, the opening of Grill that we that you worked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As so well, where, where the Jane Young became exactly. A so, but this was before ten years before this. This is more of a caipirinha style drink, I guess, with muddled uh, lemon chunks and some mint leaves and passion fruit with vanilla vodka, and yeah. I think also it could be a float of of butterscotch on top on, on yeah, that one. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I think it actually was, but uh, and it was based on the the taste of the juicy fruit gum. Oh yeah, or okay. the whole idea, All right. you know, yeah, building, yeah. building that flavor, but in a drink, which is a, and that also became a, a huge, like, oh yeah, massive, such massively a, popular drink. Such a crowd pleaser. The strawberry basil smash we mentioned that uh, uh, from Nobis Hotel, and I think that was Robbie Radovich that uh, created that drink, or with with the team uh, at the Nobis, and as I said, that was uh, one of their. Uh, drinks that kind of outsold the rest of the drinks on the drink list. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very smart, you know, move. Uh, the pineapple hustle that won won the BCA awards last year. Singer to drinks in Stockholm, right? Was it last year or two, two years, years ago? ago? Yeah, whatever. From our friends at twenty oh five. Yeah, neighborhood bar here. In Stockholm. They've been keeping like updating that drink and making you know new versions of it constantly, like. Every time they change drink list, so it's like pineapple hustle number four, pineapple hustle number number five, number six, number eight. You know, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and th- this is a fun one. It's like three drinks in one. It's actually uh, three old, not old drinks. But there's two old drinks and one contemporary classic. Okay. Two classic classic and one contemporary classic in this one. Or one Hall of Famer. Yeah, one Hall of Famer. <laughs> oh, sorry, exactly. So the world's, this is the name of the cocktail, right? The world's best gin tonic infused with an espresso martini served as a Tom Collins. By oh, Emil Oring. Oring. At the Carrier Bar here <laughs> at the Grand Hotel in Stockholm. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. Where, where do we start? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a fun way of uh, incorporating uh, flavors into to uh, to a cocktail for sure. It sounds very complicated, but what it basically is, I think, and this is one of the drinks that you see in social media that uh, a lot of uh, consumers are are making a tag at him. You know, it, it just became like this big consumer drink, mm-hmm. and, and, and of course, it it is uh, not a trend, what I say, but it's it's quite quite popular making. Uh, uh, coffee tonic drinks with the coffee shops and we, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. that the, espresso the tonics day, yeah. espresso and, tonics etc but so what it basically is is a uh, is a gin collins uh, where you spot the sugar for coffee liqueur right i'm not if i think so uh, yeah part I th- of me no i wrong, think i think he made a tonic syrup it's like it well we need let's we can call him in another episode and let him talk about it but i mean Hopefully, hopefully people understand it by the name. But I can't, I can't remember if he makes like a, a tonic syrup to sweeten the drink, or if it's actually carbonated with tonic water, or if it's soda water. Hence the name, the Tom Collins. But um, oh, anyway, the world's best gin tonic infused with an espresso martini served as Tom Collins. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we let it. The name speaks for itself. Yeah. So, sometimes <laughs> this doesn't go under less is more. <laughs> Uh, this is more is more. Exactly. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Just become a became a big thing. Uh, the last one we have on this list is the Beats by Chorgitz. And the signature drink by our friends uh, from, from Chorgitz down the street from here. Uh, the only Swedish bar on the 50 best list, uh, which is great. Uh, you know the drink better than me. 
Um, Apart if, from his lovely drink. If, yeah, if I remember correctly, uh, they sous vide cook uh, beetroots with absolute vodka, and they uh, then they pretty much uh, they make a, a sour with fresh lemon, a little bit of ginger. It's uh, coconut syrup, and they shake that also together with a nutmeg tincture, I think. And um, I, th- I believe that's that's it. Beetroot, vodka, lemon, ginger, coconut, a little bit of uh, nutmeg. Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Stay tuned. We have more episodes coming up uh, in the near future. Uh, now I'm going to go and enjoy my own signature drink of them all. The uh, Due Negroni. Perfetto per due persone. Take care, guys. Stay creative, stay innovative, and hang in there. Hopefully the, this shit will be over soon so we can all enjoy more signature cocktails. Thank you. School. Ciao. <laughs>